0: Namaste, my name is Neelima, welcome to Reflections Along The Way podcast, where you will be listening to reflections from experiences and learnings along my life's journey. While making efforts to meditate, the mind has a tendency to drift away. Even when you're trying to chant the mantra and trying to focus on the chanting, it has a tendency to digress. So, to prevent such digression and uh, to develop and maintain concentration, some techniques can be used. External aids such as fragrance, lighting a candle, incense, or maybe the sound of bells or something which is pleasant may try to keep the mind from running away. If the mind is still trying to run away, then try repeatedly to bring it back to the point of concentration. In spite of that, if the disturbances seem to continue, then try to open your eyes and chant the mantra loudly. Keep on doing this until the disturbances disappear. And once the mind again develops the concentration, you can try to close your eyes and do the chanting. You can use the same technique when you feel like you are falling asleep during Japa. Now, after all these efforts, also if you're still unable to maintain concentration, then maybe you're overstepping the capacity that you have for concentration. Develop focus on doing one thing. For example, try to uh, study the scriptures or stories about the incarnations during that meditation time that you've allotted for yourself. Through this practice we can develop the art of maintaining one consistent thought. That of the divine. Later after, this, after uh, doing this practice for a little bit. Then we can introduce forms or pictures of divine into the practice. We can focus on one feature of the Lord's form. For example say the feet or the face or something like that. And then as we... Kind of master that we can make the mind focus on, say, the Lord's smile. Little by little, we learn to converge our thoughts on a single pointed focus. Once we've practiced this enough, then we close our eyes and practice chanting the mantra in our mind. Sometimes, in spite of all these efforts, the mind is still not under control. And for that kind of mind, there might be some persuasion that needs to happen. Like you can tell the mind that if we do this meditation, these are the benefits that come out of it. Or these are the results that are to be achieved or something like that. And some minds, they are not motivated by persuasion. They are more curious in nature. So for those kinds of mind, then maybe motivating the mind to investigate the mystery of the unknown self may inspire it to focus on bringing attention to a single pointed object or single pointed thought. Now when all this also fails sometimes a little punishment is in order. You could tell the mind that if you'd not cooperate in doing this then maybe you know you'll have to fast or have a cold bath or something like that. And once this is made and if the mind is unruly then don't forget to follow through on the threat, And this is like the absolute last resort. Another way of controlling an unruly mind is to let the intellect watch the pranks of the mind, just like how a mother watches an inobedient uh, child. So after trying to control the child and the child is completely out of control, mother ignores the child as though not paying attention to the child. Seeing the silence of the mother the child comes back to her care. Similarly, when the mind realizes that it's being watched by the intellect, it becomes self-conscious and ashamed and returns to the control of the intellect. So these are various techniques that can be used to motivate the mind. When the seeker has practiced all the techniques enough and he's able to keep his concentration for a prolonged period of time, then he is ready to enter the state of thoughtlessness, which is called Samadhi. Now, when the mind is engaged in chanting of the mantra, the mind and intellect are still engaged. When you keep on chanting and suddenly when you stop the chanting and experience the silence of the mind, in that silence, there is neither the mind nor the intellect. In that silence, in its purest form of meditation, at that point, There is no meditator, there is no meditated and there is no meditation. All merge into one, the pure self. The self in each one of us is the supreme, the pure consciousness. It is like when the sun reflects in a pool of water. When the water in the pool is disturbed, then we don't see sun's reflection. When the water is calm and steady, then the reflection is visible. In the same way, Pure consciousness is reflected in the thought pool, the mind. When there are agitations in the mind, then the reflection of consciousness is not visible. When the agitations end and the mind is calm and peaceful, the self reveals itself. At that point, the meditator reaches the state called Samadhi. Samadhi literally means tranquil mind. We had seen before the self expresses itself in three states. The waking, the dream and the deep sleep states. All these three states can be represented with three sounds that constitute OM. A, U and M. The sound A represents the waking state. U represents the dream state and M represents the deep sleep state. Whenever we are repeatedly uttering OM, between any two utterances there is a silence. This silence represents another state, the fourth state called Turiya in Sanskrit. This state of silence, that fourth state is the state of perfect bliss when the individual realizes the identity with the Supreme. Actually, if you think about it, the silence of Turiya is the substratum upon which the other three sounds are made, are built upon. And when these three sounds are no longer there, Then what remains is Thurya, the undisturbed silence. So therefore, all these three sounds exist in silence, emerge from silence and merge back into silence again. Similarly, pure consciousness is always present. It is the substratum over which all the three states of consciousness exist. All the three states of consciousness emerge out of consciousness exist in consciousness and they merge back into consciousness. When we transcend all these three states, then we realize the pure self. When we speak about experiencing self-realization, it's often described as occurring in two different stages. In the first stage, there's a, a little trace of individuality left to experience godhood. That state is called Savikalpa Samadhi. The second stage of realization is called nirvikalpa samadhi. In that stage, there is no sense of individuality. Even the little trace of individuality that was there in savikalpa samadhi is no longer there. Because it merges with the infinite. So there is only one Brahman at that point. There is no dvaita. There is no duality. So with repeated practice of meditation, dhyana, the mind learns how to abide in that silence of the pure self. When this mind disappears in the silence, then the merger is complete. So Sri Adi Shankaracharya describes the merger as water mixing with the water, space merging with the space, light combining with light. So in these examples, there is a homogeneity in the merger. There is no trace of separatedness that existed before the merger. Similarly in meditation also, the identity of the individual is lost. In the experience of Brahman, the self, unlimited consciousness. Now how do we make sure that we have success in our practice of meditation? The secrets are regularity and sincerity. Start slowly, go slowly and build the momentum to lift you into it. Evolution does not happen overnight. It's not a revolution. Evolution takes its time. It's not like you are running towards it. Let it come to you. We can never like force sleep. We have to prepare ourselves to sleep. And sleep comes on its own. In a similar way, we prepare ourselves to meditate with the different techniques that were discussed earlier. And then let it suck you in with its momentum. We cannot force our entry If silence does not come easily, then don't despair. The spiritual life is after all meant for the imperfect. It's not for the perfect, right? Surrender these imperfections to the Lord. When we offer fruits or flowers to our teacher, symbolically what that means is that we are surrendering our imperfections to him. Flowers are the source of fragrance, right? And that smell, that fragrance is symbolic of our Vasanas. When we are offering fruits, we are offering fruits of our actions. So that way by offering vasanas and fruits of our actions and by surrendering the attachment to the results of our actions, we are making ourselves available to the Lord to take away all our imperfections. This attempt that we make to surrender at the Lord's feet That creates the highest bhava for meditation. A person who is emotional, who surrenders to the Lord with all his heart, reaches the same mood of meditation. As the intellectual one who after he's understood that the consciousness which illuminates everything is is his own pure self, he turns away from the external pursuits of the world to dive deep into the blissful peace within. By surrendering all the memories of the past and anxieties of the future at his feet, rest in a cheerful mood. With Shraddha, with faith in your heart, learn to smile at your sorrows. Endure and forbear and be unaffected by the play of Sattva, Rajas and Tamas in you. With the cheerful mind, with such a cheerful mind, we can transform the mind and intellect equipment within us and prepare it for meditation. Meditation, you can't order meditation by the clock or the position of the sun in the sky. It depends on the cheer of the mind. Don't give up, strive on. Just be sincere and regular with the practice to take to your goal is the advice that Swami Chinmayananda gives us. Thank you for listening to today's reflections. If you would like to connect with me, please visit bluishmuse.com. Until next time, Namaste.